0: welcome to juvenilia where we go back in time to take a look at the many weird and interesting creative projects we started when we were younger mostly books but also films games and a bunch of other stuff i'm corbin that's sam hello sam hello corbin hello sam what are we talking about today
1: Today we will be talking about one of our very first creative endeavours, possibly our very first creative endeavour together. It was a book series that uh, was to be started with a primary title known as The Porn, and right off the bat I'm going to spell that word for you, P-A-W-N, because that is something that I felt I had to do every time I told anyone else about it at the time.
0: Yeah, it's a problem with the British accent that we don't pronounce the <laughs> R in words because what? obviously in an in an American accent it's perfectly fine. It's the pawn, it's not the yeah. poor porn.
1: Well, I think I think in our in the case of our particular um, personalized um, sub Colchester dialect, I think that we had a particular problem with it. But um, yeah, it's I mean spelling spelling things has always been a thing that I felt necessary to do, and the word seems a bit dubious and. Seems fitting that that would be the case with the, one of the first things that I sat down to try and create.
0: Oh, yeah. Bloody typical, isn't it?
1: Bloody typical.
0: So it's a book called The Pawn. Did you actually have friends at school kind of make fun of you for that? Did I make fun of you for that? Because I can imagine doing that.
1: I don't think that you did. Um, I do believe, I think maybe one of our cat-ear friends might have done <laughs> Um, and it, it may have been uh, I may be getting my timelines out of order the the critique may have come significantly after we started working on it because I can't imagine even with my own inflated sense of uh, creative ego <laughs> um, I can't imagine that I immediately went around to everyone and was like well we're writing this book it's called The Porn it should be on shelves in approximately 18 months <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm just imagining some horrible little herbert, probably me, running up to you and going, "Oh Sam, have you written a book about porn?"
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can I could I could absolutely see that going um going that way, especially with your known traits for herbertism. So
0: I am a little herbert. It's Let's
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, just sort of collapse into a pile of sludge.
0: <laughs> yeah. okay so what was what was it about it's a book it's called the pawn give me give me give me the elevator pitch
1: okay so the pawn is a book about a uh wily i, I don't know if the, if there was even initially going to be two it's, it's about uh, a couple of wily teenagers who are basically taken uh taken captive by an alien race that is uh so, living in a somewhat secretive um like society on on their home planet um they're sort of uh an unacknowledged um like other presence on this world and they're, they're they're these teens are you know they're they're the children of important figures and they're they're taken captive by this uh this race or this uh species i suppose you could say um but yeah, it's it's sort of all about their, their journey of discovery, but also how they're being put to like, political use. I remember thinking there needs to be a political side to this because the world's a very political place.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, especially in the early 2000s. We just yeah. had the invasion of Iraq. We were all very politically conscious. I'm only half joking. I mean, I remember no, I at school it was <laughs> know, this constant thing like, oh, Bush, Blair, Iraq. Uh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I... Uh... Ooh, I nearly went down quite a dark uh, rabbit hole there. Uh, I, I remember there being certain events in the, in, in the news at the time with uh, people being taken hostage. And uh, I was just thinking, man, that's a thing you can do, I suppose. I guess, that, I guess that's a play. And then mm. I thought, what if, what if that happened to someone like me? Or a cooler version of me?
0: <laughs> a sexier version of myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was a lot of beheading videos and stuff going around. I remember uh, people at the school with those kind of uh, <laughs> yeah. al-Qaeda videos on their phone. And you've,
1: def- just, you've definitely stepped into the uh, the puddle that I was, <laughs> I was considering stepping <laughs> around. You said, no. "Oh, wading right in. I've noticed that you've not stepped in that puddle, don't worry. I, I know how.
0: Sam, you've missed the puddle. Splash. <laughs> Splash.
1: Splash. <laughs>
0: Um, well, sorry about that, but uh, no, I'm trying to okay. contextualize I mean, this hugely important novel.
1: Yeah, well, you got to put you got to put something on it because, um, yeah, that's uh, uh, and that's. I, I don't know if that is exactly. I I don't have the germinating um, idea for it. I'll I'll be honest about that. I don't remember the first time that we sort of sat down and said, "Let's do this." I I think. I don't I'm not trying to like steal credit or anything like that. I think I may have come up with the concept of us like working on a, a an illustrated novel together. I know that it was a thing that we both had a passion for. Um because our friendship very much started with a a shared interest in the um the uh, Edge Chronicles by uh, Paul Stewart and Chris Riddell, which is a set of uh young adult uh, illustrated novels that's um gained a uh, fairly large success obviously um, I remember that we both we both had uh, the early early editions of those novels and um, I, I remember that being a thing that we we bonded over quite early early on so it just seemed uh, in my in my creative knack of parroting I was like well maybe maybe we could do something like that
0: yeah. Well, as I recall, you started writing it, and I somehow became aware of it. I don't know if you showed me or if I just grabbed it off you and said, oh, what are you writing? Let's have a look. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, and I, I just, I don't know, I guess I dreamed up the idea of drawing pictures for it, even though at that point I had no no proclivity for drawing. I, I, you know, I, I'd never considered doing illustration. I'd never really thought about um writing books or anything like the idea hadn't crossed my mind like this was literally the first time where I thought oh yeah I could draw pictures for this book like the edge chronicles
1: yeah i mean hey why not
0: i definitely never made the connection with uh, the, the the like the political climate at the time though this this is news to me but it kind of totally makes sense in a way
1: yeah i don't when i when i say that i don't um i don't know that i was actively sitting down you know i wasn't pacing in my study looking at the rain pounding on the glass and thinking well god we really need to do something to set this all to rights like i <laughs> i think it's probably <laughs> 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 <sighs> Yeah, no, i i don't know that we um i don't know that that's how that played out but uh I, I'm that sure, would make I'm you sure a
0: sophisticated thirteen-year-old.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably not a fair characterization, um, but I, I do imagine that that was very much in my psyche and uh, bleeding through.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's um, I guess what we haven't mentioned is we were we were around thirteen when we started yes. working on this, weren't yes. we? That was to it would have been about two thousand and three. Yes. which was right around the time of the invasion of iraq i believe
1: yes it was it was
0: i'm actually um, going to quickly look up when was the invade 2003 think, invasion of iraq yeah 20th think, of march i think was go, when it began.
1: there was the the terrorist attacks of 9-11 that's obviously on you know september uh to september 11 2001 and then i believe um in 2002 they started to sort of talk about okay what's what's next and they are trying to get approval for war and i believe that there was a fairly prolonged series of pushback against that both in um the, the usa where i currently reside and in the uk where you still reside um and uh yeah i think that that was that was obviously bubbling over and i, I don't know what your um situation at home was like but my family has always been a family where you know, regardless of what's going on, six o'clock, you turn on specifically the BBC News, and you see what's going on, you know, going on in the world today. That's uh, that's what my home life was very much like. So,
0: well, my family never really watched the much of the news. I certainly didn't pay attention to it. I, I was pretty ignorant at the time. I remember when 9-11 happened. I, you know, I was only uh, eleven, but I really failed to grasp the significance of it at the time.
1: See that's interesting. I um, I remember like I don't I, I didn't I didn't grasp the significance of it, but I was uh, I did find myself like very obsessed with like like I came home from from um, from school and my my mum was just like just put on the television just didn't say anything we just sort of stood there and watched for a couple of hours when my dad came home he sort of joined us and I remember just like standing for a very long time. And thinking, like, this feels like something that's going to uh, be a major problem for a long, long time. Um, like, I I perhaps a bit naively, but I remember thinking, I don't know how they're going to clear all that up. It's right in the middle of a big city. Um, well, I yeah. don't want to
0: blow smoke up your ass, but that's an incredibly mature thought for a 13-year-old. <laughs> I was just sitting there eating cornflakes like, I don't get it. (laughs) What's,
1: What's all that stuff on the screen?
0: Basically, yeah. But we're jumping want... ahead of ourselves a little bit here. Maybe yes. we should uh, explain it because cuz I would like to uh,
1: I would like to put a pin in this but circle back to it later because shockingly sure. I, do, I do have more to say on this particular <laughs> avenue. But Right, great, great, um, great. But yeah, uh, no. But in, in
0: spite of I mean. all we've said about it being sort of embedded in that period of time, the the yeah. pawn the is essentially a fantasy novel. So you could call it an allegory for what was happening at the time, but essentially mm-hmm. it's it's a fantasy novel and from what I remember of the plot you've got the son of a major diplomat kidnapped and held hostage by an enemy alien race living secretly on a near future earth then there's some kind of rescue it's it, it's basically a sort of rescue mission and there's a major female character involved I can't remember exactly how she fit into it um maybe she was already she was also a hostage and he met our main character Alexis he, you know, he gets kidnapped and he meets the female character Lorelei at the this in this enemy country's uh, capital city where they're being held prisoner. There's some kind of heroic efforts. They end up breaking out and getting free. I'm pretty fuzzy on the details, as you can probably hear, but that's what I remember of the plot of the uh, the, the first version of that book.
1: Yeah. That, that, no, that is, he pretty much got it there. I believe that the book um, ended with them just about escaping, and that I, even from from the very beginning of, um, like, making it, I, I knew that there had to be at least three books. I don't know why I knew that, but I knew that there, like, one book wouldn't be enough to do what, uh, you know, what needed doing. Um, I didn't really have strong concepts for, like, a second or third book. Well... Again that's another thing I'd like to to touch on a bit later, but like uh, <laughs> um creative input from my family on that matter but um I remember thinking, okay, the second book should start with them in a, in a in a state of like chase and like you know peril um but anyway um they yeah they they're very much at the end were like going to be uh they've just escaped, and maybe they've like lost some loved ones in the in the act I don't know if um I don't know if it was going to be Alexis's actual diplomat parent who was going to come and get them, or if it was going to be someone else. I think it was probably going to be someone else, but I do remember remember placing great importance on there being a scene um, uh, with a group of snipers trying to take uh, take care of um, perhaps some guards standing near uh, these kids, or... I don't know, uh, something along those lines. But I remember thinking to myself, there's got to be a sniper chapter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um,
0: snipers are cool. It's a, it's, it's, it was hot news at the time. It was hot <clears throat> news at the time. Snipers yeah. <clears throat> were seen as... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Snipers always have this kind of status, don't they? It's like, yeah, I'm not going to get too deeply involved. I'm just going to... Be a hero um, from a distance.
1: Well, people love a people love a precision worker, don't they? Someone who can I guess so do anything that's got a certain element of precision to it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being a bad sniper? Huh? The derision and uh, hate.
0: <laughs> well, it's super difficult though, apparently, because over those distances, the slightest breeze can totally knock the bullet <laughs> off course.
1: Yeah, <laughs> even the slightest breeze could kill them. But, yeah. Um,
0: but I assume I—I I, am I remembering this right? That the the main character Alexis, there's kind of a process of him when he's living in this uh, the mountain capital city prison of the alien race. He he goes through a process of sort of earning their respect, and yes. then sort of using that against them, or or something, or like he he befriends some of them, and then there's this kind of teaming up element, and he kind of. Uh, breaks out from within simultaneously with his diplomat father organizing the rescue mission.
1: Yes. I, I think that um, that was, the, you're, you're saying this and it's um, definitely sort of, uh, um, uh, it's definitely revealing pathways of, uh, of memory in my, in, my, in my brain about this stuff. But um, yeah, I, there was there was definitely going to be a long period of the book where um, Alexis was like in captivity initially with like with no interaction whatsoever, and then perhaps um, somebody there was going to be someone that he started to talk to and confide in, and then perhaps against everyone's better judgment or better expectations, he uh, maybe earned himself some liberties. Um, I always like the idea that he would end up actually sort of perhaps in a sort of a jester role or in sort of a um, pet role uh, to the the sort of the monarch of this, um, of this alien society. Um, yeah, I, I, I remember was,
0: that, actually, now that you say it.
1: Yeah, I always thought that that would be an interesting thing to try and uh, write.
0: Yeah, that was probably directly inspired, whether you realize it or not, by the scene from the very first Edge Chronicles book, Beyond the Deep Woods, where the main character Twig, he becomes the pet of the termagant trolls. You remember
1: that? I do. Uh, no, I'm 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 acutely aware of how much of my uh, my ideas were just a, a little bit of a twist on things <laughs> I'd uh, read almost almost in, exclusively in the Edge Chronicles. But
0: <laughs> I ain't accusing you of plagiarism. I'm just saying, you know, well, I mean, you th- can't... to be honest, th- this book was pretty original considering how derivative it could have been you know like when a teenager sits down to write a fantasy novel you know, it would be very easy for it to be just a direct rehash or even just fan fiction but you did at least make an attempt uh to to come up with an original world and some original ideas it wasn't just you know elves and dwarves
1: (laughs) yeah no i um and that's a. I think that's a thing that we should uh, just expand upon. So the uh, the sort of alien race um, that we had, like that we wanted to work with, were this. Um, they were. I mean, how would you how would you describe them? They they we we had a name for them. Um, I don't know if we had a different name earlier. I feel like we may have originally
0: they were called alien men.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs>
0: which is slightly lazy. A slightly lazy. Uh name for a, an alien race of humanoids, but they were called men, and alien then from men. somewhere you came up with the name Serakai.
1: Yeah, Serakai. Do I you can't...
0: remember where that name came from?
1: Do I remember where that came I've always been a big fan of Michael Cera. Uh No, I I, no, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I think that I just I don't know. This is uh... No, hang on. Pause that. Serikai, uh is just a it's just a word that I brute force came up with, and that's a thing I used to do a lot. Um, I used to do that a lot with names as well, because I was like, you can't you can't just have like a name of, you know, someone that's, you know, if someone's already got that name, they're going to read this and they're going to be horrified. Yep, they're not going to like that at all. So I, I thought that you had to come up with um, with a very sort of, you know, distinctive name so that no one else would uh, f- feel like things were being like copied or. Yeah. You know, um, if I just maybe maybe I was worried that people think I didn't have any imagination because I couldn't come up with a name and couldn't come up well, with a, certainly a species sounds and couldn't come up with a language. And, from... Yeah.
0: Because your classic sort of high fantasy, you know, there's a particular type of uh, dwarven or elfish or elven. I don't know what the word is, but there's a particular sorts of names that they're given. If You know, when you play Dungeons and Dragons, for example you know, they are consciously using the sort of like classic kind of Tolkien style yeah. names. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, what I always felt like was the word Serakai for the alien race in this book and the s- related words that you came up with, they had a kind of Japanese influence?
1: Uh, quite possibly, quite Possibly.
0: They all had a bit of a Japanese sound to them, and it may have come from... Because you, you were probably getting into manga at the time, as was I, and yeah. you can see that influence in, in the images as well, which I didn't realize until looking at them again just recently. Yeah, of course. There's a definite manga influence. Hardly surprising. So, as well as the original sounding name for these guys... One of the first things, the first thing that I did when I caught you writing this book was, <laughs> oh, I want to design these these guys. I want to design these alien men or Serakai. And I guess yeah. I had the same thought, like, oh, they can't just look like uh, like a, a gray alien from a sci-fi film. They've got to be something totally original. Yeah, yeah. And this is presumably something a lot of teenagers go through when they first start getting into creative stuff there, there's this element of being both highly derivative because you don't have any of your own experiences to go on and you've only got a few things that you really like that you're trying to emulate but also this desperation to be original this this idea that like no I've got to do something that's that no one's ever done before you know it's got to break genre boundaries and look like nothing you've ever seen
1: no, I agree um I think that um making sure that you have something that's like distinctly yours is it's not just a a part of the creative process it's um it's part of just being at that age, isn't it?
0: Yes, and when you're a teenager, obviously there is the, these there are these two conflicting desires to both fit in and stand out yes that, that I certainly struggled with you, you want to kind of like. Define yourself especially define yourself as separate from your parents, but also in a way to stand out from your peers as someone kind of interesting and special, but also you, you don't want to be weird you don't, you don't want to um, you don't want to stand out too much No, correct um, whereas that's... really mature writers uh, are probably a lot more comfortable with writing within genre conventions yeah. and just doing something good using tropes
1: since i've been here in the states um i've uh, been going to barnes and noble um bookshops quite a lot um well like uh, amanda likes to go and browse the uh the manga section because she's big into manga but i will often just go in i'll pick a random genre and i'll just go look at all the books that they have there um and see you know like try and work out which of these is actually a good book you know if i was to delve into this which is a good book I always think it's interesting, like, you know, you go to fantasy and there's almost um, there's almost a clinical way that people talk about uh, the writing of these authors, like on the blurbs or whatever, and they'll say, like, you know, that achieves the heights of this writer, but with, uh, you know, the flair of this writer, or, you know, they, they talk about it almost in terms of, like, tropes and things along those lines. It's very interesting.
0: At the time, I didn't see us as writing genre fiction because such was my arrogance that I sort of pretended that uh, that it wasn't derivative. <laughs> I kind of told myself, oh, it's sort of sci-fi, but it's sort of fantasy. But I'm really, doing something that's never been done before. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't your typical fantasy, like I said, but um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's troubling to kind of look back and see the through line from there to the current day and how... Um, I do still, in many ways, think in the same way about the the stuff that I write now. Like, I'm always thinking, like, oh, genre. I don't want to get boxed into a genre, because then you have to follow certain rules and conventions. And if you don't follow those rules and conventions, then people will say, oh, but it's it's a love story. It's supposed to have this sort of ending. And yeah. no, I don't absolutely. want to get boxed in. But then I appreciate that there are genres for a reason. <laughs> not least of which is marketing and being able to say oh this is that this is this sort of book if you need to know what you're uh, what you're looking at if you're in the market for a love story well you want to know that it's a love story and that's yeah. why uh, a love story will have a particular sort of cover on the book and be marketed in a particular way yeah. because people want some idea of what they're getting most people get to, to a,
1: a certain age and they 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 know what they like and that's uh, that's that's what they're going for. The people get older and they tend to stop being um, interested in, um, you know, exploring. And
0: well, yeah, but know. I mean, if you're in the market for experimental fiction or art fiction, yeah. that too is its own category, and that could be presented as such.
1: I suppose so. I suppose so. Yeah.
0: yeah. But nevertheless, this was a genre book really
1: oh absolutely it was um the way I used to think of it was like this is i mean i was under no um i was under no uh what's the word pre uh, like i was under no misconceptions um about uh it being a, like a young adult story because I was a young adult and much in the same way that a bartender um can't be under eighteen in the uk under 21 and the actually no, you, the bartenders can be under 21 in the usa that's a silly thing that they do yeah um but no oh. I, yeah you could be a bartender who can only um serve uh, sealed alcoholic drinks that's a that's a job that <laughs> ex- isn't just just a smart country well well done um but no, it's you know it's in the UK age of drinking eighteen. It's like being a bartender who is under eighteen. You know you can't do it. Um, so I was like, I'm well, I'm I'm only thirteen, so I probably can't write adult fiction because I'm not an adult. I can write young adult fiction.
0: I guess it's more of a middle grade novel now. Now that I know what that term means, it's more you're kind of. Oh, uh, I don't know that ten- term. Well, it's... it's ten, You know how for young children you've got what they call chapter books? It's these very thin little heavy, heavily uh, illustrated yeah, novels. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got young adult fiction, which is basically adult fiction, but for teenagers. Yeah. And then middle grade is the stuff in between. And I think Edge, the Edge Chronicles would very much be middle grade. It's something you might start reading as young as eight, and you might carry on reading it until 16 or so.
1: Gotcha, gotcha.
0: Yeah, um... Because the Edge Chronicles themselves—that's pretty much the age range I was reading them at. I think I started reading them at ten or eleven, and then by the time I got to seventeen, I I was—you know—I couldn't really enjoy them. And I read when I was eighteen, I read *The Immortals*, which was meant to be the last book in the Edge Chronicles series. But um, I remember I, I did kind of have to make myself read it a bit. I I didn't enjoy it. I didn't get the thrill out of it that I had when I was 12 or 13. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a shame.
1: It is a shame. Um,
0: But understandable.
1: (laughs) I think that I was still okay with it because I, at the time that that book came out, I want to say that I had, did it come out when we were 18 or when we were 17? I can't remember when it came out. Um, the Immortals? Yeah.
0: That came out when we were 18, yeah. When I we think it was late 2008, because I remember reading it at my halls room at university.
1: Yes, I remember. <sighs> this is the thing. I've got a connection with it at the university. I think at the time I was going back and forth to London a fair amount on the train, and I think I did some of my reading of it on the train, and I remember I remember having a similar feeling. I did enjoy it, but I was like, hmm. I'm worried that they're going to set up more and I can't keep going on this journey. I, yeah. you know, I need to, I need to quite literally get off this train. Um, and then they yes. did, but I, uh, yeah the less said about that the better
0: i didn't uh, actually read any of the edge chronicles that came after the immortals i assume there were another three i was interested to hear how they finally ended it though because there was a kind of final ending where they actually sort of broke the the kind of central conceit of the world yes and had people descend down the cliff that the world is set on yeah um so i remember just kind of looking up like oh what actually happens and it's not a whole lot, I think, was the answer. Yeah, but um, yeah, I guess more, we're, there's just more, just more people down there, right? <laughs> just, just, it's just rock forever, I think. <laughs> I was hoping it would be a snow globe on a shelf
1: in our world, <laughs> specifically in my house. Yeah, I left. Uh... Anyway, we're getting a, a little off topic. <laughs> yeah, no fair.
0: Well, it makes me, um, speaking of the memories that you had about reading The Immortals, that leads me to the uh, first important question that I have written down here. Yeah, go for it. Which is, what's your main memory of creating the porn? Like, when you think back to that time of your life, or, you know, sitting there actually making the thing, writing the thing, what, what's the kind of sense memory that comes back to you?
1: It's um it it's sort of split directly into two, possibly three, but the uh, sorry, I know I know that you asked for the main, but sometimes that's just how that goes. So the when I when I think of it as a concept um I like the the sort of the memory that like really like comes to me is sitting on the bench in the, the area of our secondary school called the small close. Just an area between buildings that you could go outside into for like uh for your break um and there were some wooden benches there that were often hotly forced over, but I remember sitting on that bench possibly with four or five other young young lads <laughs> um sort of piled on trying to get purchase on this thing and I remember trying to make notes and even trying to write full full sentences in just a in an old um rough book and uh yeah i like when i think about it i think about that i remember you being there possibly sat on the floor possibly sat on the bench as well um possibly sketching probably quite privately with a with a sort of a sketch like a large sketchbook um cradled up against your your torso um Sorry, I, I don't mean to, like, I'm not trying to pinch anything from what you might be saying, but that is uh, that is part of what immediately comes to my mind. Um, and the other strong memory that I have is being in the house that I was living in at the time, known as Pepete, and sitting in the, the study where there was a sort of a bunk bed um, set up for my young nieces. Um, I remember sitting there, because that's also where the computer was, and trying to write and mostly just staring at a blank Word document where I had spent a long time setting up the page indentations and the font (laughs) and then (laughs) desperately trying to uh, force words out and occasionally getting a bit of a run going. But quite often, each sentence uh, feeling very, very difficult, which is a feeling that sometimes even exists with me these days. So, yeah. That's, that's, that's what I think about when I think about it. Um, how about yourself? What do you think about?
0: Well, I guess immediately my mind goes back to sitting on my bed in my house in West Burgle, my childhood uh, bed on the bottom bunk in the room that I shared with my brother, and uh, drawing that first drawing of the Serakai design. In the back of my, I think it was in the back of my uh, school art sketchbook, you know, those classic black hardcover sketchbooks.
1: I would say almost definitely that's what it was in.
0: Yeah, I think maybe there was schoolwork in the front, and then at the back, I was like, yeah, this is where the real stuff happens. (laughs) The front is like all of these boring modern art stuff, the preppy nerd arts. yeah that's that school nonsense, but in the back, this is the good stuff yeah. <clears throat> and um yeah, just the the frustration of trying to draw characters for it and um feeling as though <coughs> feeling as though I was constantly frustrated with how they came out. I do remember drawing the main character, Alexis over and over again, just trying to kind of like get get his eyes in the right place where he didn't look goofy and stuff like that mm. and how much of a challenge that was and how much i i would sit there either on my bed or on my little desk and kind of beat myself up like ah, oh, why is this so hard oh, i'm <laughs> such an idiot
1: <laughs> yeah um i i have a distinct memory of um you you really brute forced your way through learning how to draw those characters I remember it having been some time since we started working on things and there was either your birthday or Christmas, you know, some gift receiving event, and you received a book on how to draw, um, well, I believe it may have been a how to draw anime book, it may have been something else, but I remember you getting that, um, a light bulb going off in my head like, oh wait, there are books out there that can tell you how to draw things. Yeah. And and then sort of having this horrifying moment of realization of, uh, wait, he's just been working it out all by himself.
0: All those wasted years, struggling on alone. (laughs) Well, I got a How to Draw Manga book, but um, I remember it felt like a huge investment because they were really expensive Mm. because the only place I knew to get them was Ace Comics or whatever it was called at the time in Colchester. And they were like, 15 20 pounds or something which seeing as i had zero money was a lot of money i yeah. assume i scraped it together out of uh old birthday money or something Quite but awful. um yeah for the most part i just um sat there like you say brute forcing it and just sort of cursing how difficult it was and <laughs> in a sad sort of way i look back and i think well you poor kid you know of course you didn't know how to draw these characters because you, you didn't know anything. You, you know, you'd never sort of sat down and done any kind of life drawing, or you know, really kind of studied how people look. And I just I sat down and I thought, if I want to illustrate this book, I should be able to just through sheer force of will. Yeah, and got I, upset when I couldn't. I want to do it. What's so why the hell thing? can't I? Yeah, it ain't right. It's almost as if I was cursing the world for being like, why is this so difficult? It's not fair. <clears throat> Instead of just thinking, okay, I don't know how to do that yet. That's
1: fine. Yeah. No, I mean you're, you're absolutely right. Like it uh it did it definitely felt that way. Like um I it felt it felt as if you had a um a harder time on that front. Um I always remember not putting together the fact that writing could be difficult. I remember that was a realization that I had at an embarrassingly uh high age. <laughs> I remember literally just thinking, Oh, you're just lazy. You can't do it because you're lazy. You want to go do something else because you're lazy. Mm. And uh, not not sort of cottoning on that the reason I didn't know how to write is because I'd never done it before, and because yeah. I was a teenager.
0: Well, and that just because you had an idea, it didn't mean that you would know how to write a whole story based on that idea. That, that was something that I struggled with for a long time. If if I was trying to write a story, I'd get an idea and I'd think, Well that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. I will write that story now. I'd sit down and after a couple of sentences I'd have nothing more to say and I'd think, Well how do I carry on writing?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've said the words that were or had already sort of like accumulated like a sort of a like a condensation in my mind as I carry this hot idea around. Um now what?
0: Yeah, but yeah, and uh, just looking at some of the old drawings that you've sent me. Oh yes, which by the way, I'm, I'm surprised that uh, you still had these because most of these I hadn't seen in years and years, and I assumed that they were long gone. <laughs> but I guess I scanned them in, and you saved them, and somehow still have them to this
1: day. Um, yes, I believe I believe I had a scanner even at that age. I remember. I remember. Uh, well, I. Ha- having a having a... i had a scanner oh okay my bad
0: <laughs> so i did i did scan some of these in obviously gotcha. i well i must i'm pretty sure these were these were scanned by me gotcha. but uh, i'm just surprised you still have them because i would have scanned them on a my old packard bell computer running windows 98 <laughs> and still with a crt display yeah And uh, yeah, I just assumed they were long gone because most of the original drawings of these, all of the original drawings, I threw in the bin during a big clear out of my mum's house in 2017. I finally got rid of the remains of of these. And, you know, right now doing this, I regret it because it would be fun (laughs) to go through that stuff. But overall it was such a massive stuff that I just couldn't hold on to anymore. Having moved house so many times,
1: I remember giving you a lot of guff and a lot of grief about, um, getting rid of, you know, your sort of your old documents when actually, I mean, first of all, they're, they're, they're yours. You can do what you want with them, but also I've gotten to a point where I, I feel as if, um, I feel as if I, uh, have also possibly done some of that to myself, like, you know, bur- purged some of the old materials and then gone, oh, wait, hang on. That's that's not what I wanted to do.
0: Well, you can't hold on to everything. No. And, and if uh, you did hold on to it, then it wouldn't be special. You'd just look at it and go, oh, look at all this old crap. The only reason that you kind of want to go back and look at it is because you don't have it anymore. Correct. To be honest. Yeah
1: but it's uh you know it's 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 nice that we still have some things to look at i i I look at the uh, selection of images that we sort of have here and they're clearly all from like different phases um of things but yeah they they're
0: mostly uh, from the 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 very early phase there's just that one
1: there's one like photograph there's... of an image that was clearly too big to scan
0: yeah um that was a big a two drawing that I did much later, and it's 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 actually not bad, it was it's a hell of a lot better than everything else.
1: I believe I I believe I might have that.
0: Yeah, I, I gave it to you actually. So I think, I've, I think I've that one
1: might still exist. I think I've seen that since I've been here. I believe I've found that in my um, in my boxes that I've been unpacking. Yeah. Um so that that still exists. That one's not lost to, not lost to the ages.
0: So the, most of these drawings come from the very first version of this book, which um, yeah we should say obviously there were um, one or two later attempts at creating this book with Oof, more new than, more than
1: one or two, my friend. But uh, yeah, there's, there were sure, yeah. there were one or two like uh, definitive like you know both both um, you know both uh, both hands to an or attempts at um, yeah uh, making this.
0: Yeah, where we changed the plot around and I did new illustrations and obviously you rewrote it and it was very different. Um, And we'll probably get to those at a later date. Yes, But um, these are all the kind of classic illustrations, the ones I'm looking at now. And yeah, just going back to what I was saying before, there's a particular full figure drawing of the main character, Alexis, and is in this kind of uh, long Matrix-style coat. And what really (laughs) jumps out at me is that his his body is just sort of non-existent like obviously i didn't know how to draw a human body so he's just got this completely shapeless long coat mm. that just goes all the way down to his feet so yes. you can't actually make out any any shape to his body and it just it's i guess it's something where you look back and see how far you've come cuz you know i've done years of life drawing now and you know i can pretty confidently draw human beings, you know, not, I can pretty confidently draw human beings in any clothes or nude or just doing whatever. <laughs> and I can, I can looking draw back right. and it's like, you poor kid, you had no idea what you were doing. I can draw so do whatever I like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it makes me sad looking back to think that in a way I wasn't, um, I wasn't kind of taking joy in it in a way. I was just, I was, I was just, trying to desperately to make something that looked good because mm. I thought, Oh, this has got to be really good. And I look back and I think, well, why, you know, what's, what was so important about this? But we did put a lot of importance on it.
1: We did. We did. Um, and I think too much pressure <laughs> sort of talking, uh, talking about it. I want to, you asked my sort of prevalent memory and uh, one of my prevalent memories for this, um, this particular project was like, this is my, this is my ticket out this is how I sort of you know rise above this is what I'm going to be known for doing I had a very oh, yeah. clear sense that like I would you know I would write this thing you would illustrate it together we would work on creating this thing and it would be it would be good enough to get published and once it was published the you know the floodgates would open and people would obviously love it <laughs>
0: mm, um, conquer the world
1: Yes, or at least, you know, make enough, of, uh, make enough of a dent in the world that we, you know, would we'll get to do more. And by that time, maybe yeah. we'd be, like, really good at it and we could do other things, but...
0: It was a pretty exciting idea at the time, but in hindsight, I kind of wish that we hadn't been so ambitious because I feel as though, going forward, it set me up with this idea that everything I did had to, had to aim really high and that yeah. I had to try and sort of be world-beating with everything I did, rather than just enjoying it in its own small way, even if it wasn't something significant.
1: Very much a sense of, um, I need to, uh, you know, the, the things I've started so far, and mostly not finished, have not been good enough, so this one really needs to be good enough. The fact that we
0: didn't just try to write this one book, but said this is the first in a series of eleven novels. Ooh,
1: yes, that. No, I mean that. That's, that's it's too much pressure. That's, <laughs> that was very, that was very much uh, an, an Edge Chronicles inspired thing as well, because because yes, the
0: Edge Chronicles was supposed to have eleven books. So, yes.
1: Yeah, I still think it was a, a pretty silly number, personally, but uh, but there we are. Um,
0: Well, I just think it's crazy to aim for any number. You do hear about some creators who set out right at the beginning, like, I'm going to write this many books in this series, but ultimately it should just be as many books as as the story demands, shouldn't it? And at 13, even setting out with the aim to write a full novel is wildly ambitious, let alone
1: planning 11 novels. No, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean... I mean, on the one hand good for us <laughs> but on the other hand uh not so good for us and hmm. it's um it's a sort of a millstone that i've uh that i sort of hung around my neck um specifically with my relationship with my with my mother uh where uh i sort of really boldly and confidently said this is the thing i'm going to do and then when my interests sort of shifted away from writing from for a uh, fair chunk of time in, you know when i was in my early 20s going to university and what have you um and studying different things she would always say you know she'd always she had memorized uh, certain details and she'd always say you know when are you going to get back to you know writing writing your book and writing about the serakai and you know ouch when are you like uh not 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 in a sort of a uh, an unpleasant yeah. version but
0: um, no I know but ouch because oh, yeah. <laughs> you know she, she was actually being genuine and that's kind of you know that's I understand what you mean that's hard to deal with if a parent it's kind of <sighs> remembers that and, and, and suggests like no that was important and when are you going to finish it you know and yeah. it comes from really good intentions but wow
1: yeah it's a lot <laughs> yeah. and that's a uh... Of course. Uh, now that I've uh, in in recent years, I've got back, gotten back to writing, and I've moved away from the things that I uh, did more when I was uh, studying at university. Now, the, the finally, the question has slipped around to, you know, I I studied animation, that, that so now my uh, my mom asks, you know, doing any animation recently, and it's uh, you sort of realize that, well, of course, parents are invested in what their children are doing, but there's also a sense of. Um, Record keeping, uh, intentionally or otherwise, that uh, comes with comes with being a parent. I think, but anyway, this is uh, yeah, this is all off the top. Trying... but
0: No, it's not at all. No, no, not at all. I mean, I was going to say that I never really had the same level of interaction with my own mother about this book, or indeed any of the other creative projects that I used to work on. But there was one incident. When we were working on this initial version of the pawn, where I was up very late uh, drawing at my desk, and I was drawing the Serakai sunset picture, which is one of those you've sent me.
1: Yes, the the one that's in full color, correct?
0: Yeah, it's a full color drawing of a Serakai flying with a sword, and there's a sunset in the background, and it's almost got a sort of again a, a sort of Japanese look, like the, the it does. sunset. It's it very much almost does. like I. I think I was into hokusai at the time, and I thought that I was like I could. <laughs> Isn't it embarrassing to to even suggest that there's any kind of comparison? But that's the kind of thing I was trying to do, you know. And anyway, as I was drawing this, it must have been about one a.m. And um, my mum kind of stumbled into my bedroom. She'd clearly been asleep, and she was like, "Oh, why is the light still on?" I thought there was. Are you still awake? And then she looked at what I was drawing, and she she grabbed it off me, and she was like, what's that? You didn't draw that. And I was like, yeah, I did. And she said, are you sure? It looks like you've printed it out. It looks too good. <laughs> and she gave it back to me and went back to bed, and I sat there kind of weirdly proud, like, oh, man, yeah, this is, like, the first truly great drawing I've done. Even my mom thinks I, it's great.
1: I, no, But, I, I mean, you, you tell the story, and, like, you sort of uh... – you're talking about it as if uh, that, that wasn't the case, but this, this image is, um, is very much burned into my mind. I remember the first time you showed me this and I remember just like staring at it and doing that thing where I felt like there was, there was like so many, so many points for me to be looking at. Like there were so many things to sort of see. And it was, uh, you know, like I, I look at it now and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I see everything here, but at the time I was, like, really, like, processing every part of it and thinking, this is just, this is incredible. Like, we're really going to do this.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I was really proud of that drawing at the time. Really proud.
1: Well, I can tell you you put your, uh, you put your, um, signature at the bottom there.
0: It's a good signature.
1: It is a good signature. I put my
0: signature on everything. <laughs> Which Emma used to make fun of me for. She used to go through some of my old drawings and say, "I can't believe you signed every <laughs> drawing you did, like you were a famous artist."
1: Well, that's and I was like,
0: the, well, I needed people to know who it was by, you know.
1: That's why she's not on this podcast because she would, she would uh, perhaps place the appropriate amount of scorn on what we're doing <laughs> instead of lauding it.
0: <laughs> another one I'd completely forgotten about. Another drawing that I'm looking at here. Uh, It's just, it's, it's labeled illus eight and it's just, it's great. It's literally just a boot kicking a chest. Alexis's boot up against a Serakai's chest and there's no other there's no outside detail it's just a boot and a chest yes. and you're supposed to infer that he's sort of karate kicking this Serakai <laughs> and it's just so lacking in um oomph that there's something very um What very I, amusing about what it? What I
1: particularly like about it aside from as you say the lack of oomph and the fact that the uh you you could it, it looks as if you could have just drawn the foot the right way up and not in this unusual perspective or like angle um, and just turned it around And just put it up uh, Up up against the chest of this uh, Seracai But the thing that I really like is that you've You've done cropping On it uh, <laughs> not, not, not with the actual edge of the image But just <laughs> By stopping drawing
0: yeah, I got to a certain point and I just was like, eh, I can't be bothered to draw any further. I'll stop right there. I was using my hard-earned knowledge of karate to uh, inform this image. <clears throat> I believe they call that a sidekick.
1: They do. Uh, that's uh, that's that's what they call it. Uh, small, small Sam is uh, not good at hearing things. Um, note here. I, as a child, thought that the word psychic was just a sidekick oh so did i yeah didn't didn't realize that those were different things but
0: yeah that, that one used to confuse me okay. <clears throat> but while we're on the drawings i'm just gonna keep looking at these there's uh, oh, a yeah. one that i'd completely forgotten about which is the my front cover image for the
1: pawn oh that one's lovely i i was looking at that just now um it shows the full title. Which is
0: The Pawn, The serakai Chronicles, Book One One, Samuel Bone, Corbin Wilkin. <laughs>
1: yeah. I like the I like the, the Roman numeral uh in the middle of book one. Slightly, yeah, we've used ledger. both the
0: word one and the Roman numeral one, which is fantastic.
1: It is. But this is uh this is not the earliest cover. Um this is the <gasps> I know. Uh this is this is the beautifully rendered cover that uh, again, a moment, a moment in this creation where I was like, "Yep, this is going to happen." We've got the front cover now, so like, <laughs> there's a few more details on that I'd like to cover. But um, first, I just want to acknowledge that I did before this make my own uh, cover, and I knew it was sort of a stand-in, but I also a little bit thought that maybe it would be good enough for the uh, for the publishers for you know Double Day or uh, whoever, <laughs> Corgi Books. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. That was uh, simply just a, a googled image of a uh, porn chess piece um, rendered in, uh, you know, grayscale um, with a with a sort of a large shadow looming over, and otherwise a completely featureless white background. Um, but I'd still gone to the effort of uh, of setting it up so that it was. Um, I'd, I had a, like a horizontal, like a landscape uh, oriented. Uh, page and i put it on the right side of the page as if uh, it was going to be as if that's how the printed document was going to work they would take a just a standard a4 image <laughs> with the uh, the front cover being on the right hand side and the back cover being on the left hand side and they would just print that out so i'd left the left hand side open for a blurb because i figured that they would handle that
0: <laughs> i still kind of think that way now like if i'm printing <laughs> off um Yeah, like a a sort of mock-up to read. I I will still do that. I'll put a little front cover on the right-hand side of the first page as a spread. It just makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, um, Yeah, no, I just just thought it was very, very funny. Um, But a couple of details I want to highlight on this front cover. Um, The the selective use of color um, for... The uh, the monarch of the Serechai people uh, The Seramar, I believe Is the name that we eventually yes. uh, gave To that uh, that title um, Lots of things in, in the Serechai world Started with the word Sera um, mm-hmm. There's also a Seradon At the bottom of the page Who looks as if he's probably planning to betray Somebody from the way he's sort of looking over his shoulder <laughs> I quite like that
0: So a Seradon is like a d- dragon Yes, a dragon it's... that
1: you can sort of ride on But it, it still has a cool mane of hair in the same, in the similar, uh, spiny style that, um, are covered in. Um, Serekai are sort of blue creatures. Um, they, they have a lot of spines covering them, sort of like a, if you don't mind my saying, sort of like a Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, inspired look.
0: Yeah. Well, I was, you know, I actually meant to say that, like, right at the beginning because, uh, well, this is sh- showing our, uh, amateurism at all of this, uh, podcasting, uh, Malarkey, that uh, I intended to actually describe the Serakai right near the beginning, and uh, here we are, God knows how far into it, (laughs) and uh, anyone listening is like, what do the Serakai look like? (laughs) They look like Sonic Sonic the Hedgehog wearing a Power Rangers mask.
1: Yes. uh, That was
0: my groundbreaking design.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, But, I mean, I I, I, I still think it's pretty cool. (laughs) I'm still on board, um, but... Yeah, uh, so there's uh, this a selective use of color. It's all in um, black and white, um, you know, uh, pencil and a, a bit of. I think it's all pencil, isn't it? You just yeah, yeah some bit shaded. Well,
0: no, 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 no. There's pencil, but then the the lines are done with a ballpoint pen. Ah, not even better. The shading is done in pencil.
1: Um, I like that we've made use of the um, the staggering with the names um, to uh, make sure that appropriate credit is uh, given by the by the by the natural eye, so to speak, where my name is sort of over, oh no no, but uh, no, it's not doing that, so our, our names are staggered, I was uh, yeah. f- I'd gotten uh confused into the thing where you have like the lower name being further to the left and the upper name being yeah. further to the right, but it's actually
0: I remember we discussed this at the time, actually, I think after this cover, we said, ah oh, no, yeah, we should do. One name lower left and one name upper right yes. because that's the only way to have equal billing.
1: Yeah, exactly. we I think for both of us it was very important to make sure that we uh, we got that like squared away because we were both like working on it uh, a fair a fairly equal amount. Um
0: you see these were the kind of very important issues we distracted ourselves with instead of actually <laughs> yes. just creating the damn thing. It was like endless discussions about whose name is going to go where on the cover and when it's published.
1: I think we at some point did have a uh, did have a discussion of um you know the splitting of royalties and possibly a discussion on uh you know who we would dedicate each book to. Wow. I said, I, I mean, it, 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 it makes me shiver with shame to think about it, but, uh, yes. And there's even, the pres- uh, sorry, gone.
0: Well, I presume you were going to dedicate the first book to whoever was your girlfriend at the time.
1: <laughs> oh, undoubtedly. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's just the way you got to do it. That's, uh, everyone knows we that. got to pay your dues. <laughs> that's dedication rule 101. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And I could have I would have reluctantly gone along with it, like, well, I don't really have a girlfriend to dedicate it to, so I guess we'll dedicate it to Sam's girlfriend
1: <laughs> or you just have two separate sets of dedication, and mine is uh mine is to my first girlfriend, and yours yours is also to my first girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would have been kind of more of a power play like i'd also like to, to dedicate this to sam's wife you know it yeah. just comes across wrong
1: it certainly does um but no i i i mean this this cover this cover's very uh illicit some very fond memories for me i like that there's um the uh the mountain city which i think was always called Kiatsuni. Mm-hmm. I think that we we sort of stuck with that name the whole way through because it felt sophisticated mm. enough that we could sort of go with it. And that you mentioned before a sort of a Japanese inspiration, I think that name is definitely um definitely a big part of it. Um I do also think that uh, that like my my inspiration for a sort of a city built on a mountaintop is one of the things that allowed me that sort of always gave me a spark to come back to um to working on these, uh, these stories. Like I always wanted to write more about that city and know more about what it was like. And you know, like if I was ever not sort of sure, how can I, how can I keep writing? I'd always think, well, you know, maybe I could just write about Geert's union, but, um, and that's world building. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that, um, that's something that comes like that maybe come back to this project, even as recently as 2021, I wrote something which was very much born from the inspiration of that. It wasn't explicitly a uh, a Serikai uh, thing, but um, it was very much like it was born from the same the same patch of soil.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the interesting question: is this very first creative project that we both worked on with any level of uh, you know intention of it being an actual mature project? Uh, this. In a way, laid the groundwork for all of the creative work that we've tried to do since, don't you think? Like in some weird way, it's set. It's set the tone yeah. for everything we've done since. As weird as that is to say,
1: yeah, no i uh, I think you're I think you're absolutely right about that. And um, yeah, it's it's nice, isn't it? It's uh, just a just just a nice nice thought, nice feeling um, that it uh, it can be there. It can be the uh, the shared ancestor. I
0: don't know how I feel about it because I feel so I feel so divorced from this sort of thing now like I'm I'm not interested really at all in kind of epic fantasy stuff anymore you know all I'm really interested in writing anymore is very small scale real life drama set in the world in the present day <laughs> the idea of doing something like this leaves me cold now
1: I thought you were going to say set in Norfolk um <laughs> but yeah well, that's uh, fine <laughs> no uh but yeah no it's um i i still think about writing um writing more uh so th- more fantasy things but even when i do it's always from the the line of like the human drama like i'm i don't think i'm ever going to be someone who wants to write like big sci-fi or like big fantasy where the themes are often like you know like uh sort of very clear-cut um you know good versus evil or you know right versus wrong yeah. or anything like that not saying that that's what fantasy does because obviously fantasy is a huge genre and has a number of very sophisticated like sub-genres and and a dozen 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 um like incredible authors but yeah i mm. i think for me the I, i've gone a similar route where i've what I want to write about is uh, is people having squabbles.
0: <laughs> yeah, which obviously you can do in fantasy, and like you, I I feel bad saying like, oh, I don't want to write fantasy anymore, as if oh, that was only interesting to a teenager, but now I'm now I've moved on and I'm more mature, because that's not really how it is, because we did write some um, real life drama stuff as well when we were teenagers, and I suppose it's just. Over time, as I've become an adult, that was what won out for me, rather than the fantasy stuff. One thing I wanted to mention before we move on to a dramatic reading from the text is the incident where we spoke about this book at school in front of (laughs) our whole year. Uh, Do you remember how that began?
1: Uh, I believe that there was some sort of uh, initiative or, you know, planned by the teachers to have... I don't think it was a talent show necessarily, but I think that there was some chance that there was going to be a prize for um, putting on some kind of a performance. That's that's my memory. I believe that there were WH Smith booked out tokens on the line. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was. I was going to say, what was the prize? But I don't even have to have to know to know that it was W. H. Smith's Book of Al. I was going to say, surely,
1: what else could it possibly be? Um,
0: they gave those things out like like uh, candy.
1: <laughs> I mean, they they were always on offer, but I don't know that uh, many other times that I received things. I believe there was a there was a commendation system at our school where if you got if you got enough that you would. Uh, could, they could be convert, converted to cash prizes, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, that was that was, was and... definitely one of them. Um, but I, I I do recall the incident that you're talking about, and I I, I have formally apologised.
0: <laughs> well, it wasn't your fault. What happened was um, it was a tutorial. Which is just when you go to your form tutor for one period a week, and you know you do some kind of citizenship lessons. Or yes, it was just a sort of random class of nonsense, wasn't it? But it was once in year.
1: Oh well, it would have been think year ten. I was going to say year ten because we had Mister Costello at that point.
0: Mister Costello, so we would have Simon. been fifteen probably, and um, yeah, we we all had to. Get into groups and talk about a topic that interested us. Just uh, any topic. Yes, that was this. Which is way it's way too open to give to kids. Just talk about any topic in front of the class. And at that point, it was just the class of sort of thirty kids or whatever. Yeah. And um, other people were like, "Oh, we're going to talk about uh, you know, social, some social issue, or just
1: Kay. something we like." We're gonna Talk about uh, the website Captain Stabbin. I don't remember that. Oh, I I'm pretty certain. I'm pretty certain that uh some of the rowdy ruffians uh spoke about uh some 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 pornographic website but like played it out as if it was not that.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's the kind <laughs> of thing that we should have done, but instead we totally sincerely decided to give a lecture about our uh, about our book, the Pawn, and um, <laughs> how bloody brilliant it was. And the sad part is that Mr. Costello liked our speech to the class so much that he put us forward send, to be the us. class representatives yeah. for the whole year. Yeah. <sighs> certainly did. <laughs> so then out of the, what, four classes, there were four speeches given in the main grand hall of the school in front of the whole year. Yeah. And uh, the three other groups, again, they did... It was like
1: socio-political stuff, really, wasn't it? So, it certainly <clears throat> was. Things of merit. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> Things of merit. And we had to stand there and talk about the Serechai and try and explain... What a Serac I was. And um, the reason I bring this up is because there's no point in my life where I can remember being more anxious than before we went up to do that in front of the school. For some reason, in front of just our class, it wasn't such a big deal. Yeah. I don't know why, but when we had to do it in front of the whole year... It's it it just oh my god it killed me for for like two weeks beforehand and I tried to think of every way I could to get out of it.
1: (laughs) Uh, I try. I I,
0: I, I bargained with Mister Costello, like trying to say why he should pick someone else to do the do their speech.
1: I mean, as the the merits of Captain Stabin, (laughs) he's a the the man's a naval hero. (laughs) Um. Yes. No. I and I, I. feel like I possibly pushed us um, to into doing that. Like obviously, when they said working groups, and the thing that I'm sure everyone recognises, where you just sort of look at your best friend and you go,
0: <gasps> <laughs> "Yeah." Uh, Are you thinking what I'm thinking? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so i don't blame you i blame mr costello yeah, yeah. i feel like he, he had a, i feel like he led me down the garden path
1: he had a duty of care and he absolutely uh sold us out for a chance at fame because undoubtedly they i imagine the teachers were placing wages you know which of your horrible little sprogs is going to be uh you know is going to win the big talent off yeah it wasn't him i'll tell you that much <laughs>
0: Yeah, the, the two memories I have of it, um, right before I went on, I was, like, clutching my notes with my sweaty hands and um, obviously looking very nervous, and our young, very attractive French teacher came up to me and put a hand on my shoulder and said, are you okay? And I wanted <laughs> to say, no, no, I'm not okay, I'm definitely not okay, but instead but I just you were never that good at French, yes. so you,
1: you just said we. Oui. <laughs>
0: exactly but then afterwards i think later that day some boy whose name i can't remember but who i'd always seen as a bit of a kind of hostile entity you know yeah not a bully but like someone who was a bit kind not of on your side snarky i wouldn't have expected him yeah exactly and he came up to me and he said wow did you really draw those it was really good i was really impressed so that was nice
1: yeah that's my i remember it being um there 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 were two occasions where we sort of shared with the class um there's this whole debacle and there was another time where you were you weren't directly involved but it was afterwards so i feel like i sort of tarred you with the same brush but i um i sort of brought up these creations in like a you know a show and tell um element for one uh, for an english class i believe i think i wrote a um you know some some bit of poetry i, I think about uh about yes. this world um I remember that yes yeah, so that was that was another uh painful moment but um i do
0: oh yes, sorry, go on <laughs>
1: <laughs> it didn't get my rhyme schemes down very well, or didn't get my uh, my my tempo down very well, but anyway um i I do remember that, despite the awkwardness, and I, I, I definitely felt some awkwardness myself. I didn't, I didn't have nearly as um, high a, a filter for that kind of thing, um, but at the time certainly. But I do remember afterwards being surprised by how many people were just sort of nice about it, um, like, or you know, like you know, no one. A few people sort of made fun, but like. I was expect. I was sort of worried that it was going to lead to further derision at a time when I was already receiving a fair amount of derision for the way that I behaved. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, same, I guess. Actually, people were mostly just like, "Oh, well, you did that, you know, cool, well done, carry on." Like that—that was the sort of general vibe that I got, and that—that in itself allowed me to get at least a few more years of creativity going. I think if that had been a, a big negative response i think i would have um that would have stuck with me in a way that would have made it difficult to continue doing work for a while
0: right well growing the older i get the more i realize that when you do put something out there most people will be completely indifferent to it and <laughs> yes. um, your expectation of either high praise or be- people totally ripping on you for right. it never really comes to fruition it's usually just total indifference and even if you show it to someone very personally specifically and you ask them for a response often you don't get the extreme reaction that you might have expected
1: so to you know to sort of underline that um that feeling perhaps a perhaps a dramatic reading um of uh some of the, the the first chapter. I don't know that the, the the text I have available here is the absolute first um, that I ever did because it's it's from two thousand and five. What I have here, um, so it wouldn't have mm. been. It would have been from around this time, so it may have been the same thing, the the same version that we were showing at the time. But it's it's labeled version two point Very cool, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I think that this may have been. This may have been the first earnest attempt to really sit down and actually, like, make chapters and start writing it. I think perhaps this, uh, calling this version 2.0 is a bit of a misnomer. I think that version 1 was mostly notes or handwritten things. I don't know if it ever made it to text. Because I feel like if I have this, I probably would have kept that older version. I don't know what merit I would have seen in deleting it. Um, but, uh, yes, if you're, if you're interested, I can, I can give you a little bit of a read.
0: We're all very interested
1: yes. <laughs> all 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 one of you <laughs> um, sorry, my uh, computer's just taking a moment to open this document up because it's absolutely ancient. Oh my goodness. okay, so when I looked at it in preview, it uh, it's it's just sort of put in um, you know like a generic font, but when I open it up, it's it's the the fonts that I chose at the time, this really takes me back. I made the page margins on these things absolutely enormous. What was I thinking? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, you wanted it to look like a printed book, I think. Oh,
1: yes, true, true. Okay, here we go. Chapter 1. Captured. The young girl lay curled up in her small bed. She could make out noises, but they didn't bother her. She had had a busy day, going all around town, to shops and supermarkets with her mom and dad. She smiled to herself as her eyes slowly closed. She was at peace now. Suddenly, she was brought swiftly back to reality by a high-pitched scream. From behind her, she heard a creak as the door to her room opened. A shadow fell across her. For a moment, she dared not move, but instinct made her look. Above her it stood, dark and imposing, a silhouette through the moonlight, She couldn't make out its face. It was too dark. But as she lay there, she felt it stare at her. Into her. She felt fear. She couldn't feel anything but fear. Two hands came out of the darkness and grabbed her. She screamed. She lunged out at the one who was holding her. But the more she struggled, the tighter it held her. She couldn't resist it. It turned to her once again. and She suddenly felt impelled to be quiet. Impelled, sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, her eyelids started to feel heavy. Once again, her eyelids drooped. Lorelei awoke with a start. Her long brown hair was in a mess, panting. She looked around, her small room, in her small youth hostel. Her breathing returning to normal. She slid her legs out from under the covers and sat on the edge of her bed. She had had the dream again. It was a reoccurring dream that never left her. She couldn't remember when she had first started having them. It was a long time ago. They seemed so real when they were happening that she could swear that they weren't dreams at all. Lorelei got up, pulled on a long sleep top and a skirt that she had worn the day before, walked out of her room and downstairs. She was one of the oldest girls at the youth hostel. And as the owners were quite old now... She could roam around late at night. She came into the kitchen and sat down at the table. Despite how small it was, and how annoying some of the younger girls could get, she genuinely liked it here. It was the closest thing she had ever had to a real home. And as she sat there, she thought about her past. She didn't know very much at all about it, but she always found herself thinking about what she did know. She had never known her parents. When she had been very young, they had been killed in a plane crash. "'The hostel owners took her in when it was confirmed that she had no other living relatives. (laughs) "'It was then that she heard a small sound. "'To begin with, she thought nothing of it. "'The hostel was an old building, and in the night it often made noises. "'She sat there and thought about it absentmindedly. "'Then she heard a small creak. "'This time she pricked up her ears. "'She looked at the door from whence the noise had come. (laughs) "'More sounds crept in. "'She looked intently at it, not daring to look away.' in case you missed something. Suddenly, an arm caught her by surprise, wrapped around her neck. She went to scream out in terror and surprise, but there was a hand over her mouth. Be calm, child. Silence yourself. Lorelei fell still, her thoughts compelling her. The arm released her, and Lorelei stood up obediently. She was doing the will of the thoughts in her mind, but they weren't her thoughts. She was thinking them, but it was like there were two souls inside of her, one her true self, and one commanding her physical body. She turned around and faced the tall, cloaked figure. She felt an icy chill come over her, like a sixth sense, telling her something bad was about to happen. She knew it was, but she couldn't do anything to stop herself doing what she was thinking, what it was thinking. Her real self knew that whatever was under that cloak was somehow using her mind to control her body. It's a tantalizing a little salt there
0: <laughs> it's pretty tantalizing so it's it actually started with uh, lorelei's story
1: well i think that with it being uh, the v- version 2.0 i think that we realized that we wanted a second viewpoint character because we mm. sort of realized that uh, alexis was going to spend the majority of the novel in uh, captivity and we wouldn't really get a sense of like the world outside from that
0: Okay, and so the second part of this chapter, I'm looking at it. It appears to then go on to Alexis's father, and him discovering that his son is missing.
1: Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, there's also a few a uh, few good uh, moments in here. Uh, there's um, even though this is a different planet, and uh, I don't know if it's a, if we ever sort of worked out if these were humans from Earth or if they were just humans. Um, the 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 city that uh, Alexis lives in with his father is called New London. <laughs> uh, there's also uh, a, a mention of a brand new car, a Levispeed Zero type, and oh, it yeah. seems that the currency is called Miranoi? Uh, m- Mirane. Oh yeah. And this
0: is. Hey, listen. No, sorry. I remember that it was originally actually set on Earth. It was like an alternative earth oh there it was, was a... much later that we made it set on a different planet so
1: that's you know that's probably why this is version 2.0 that's probably yeah. that's probably what the shift there because the, f- the first version was very much it was set on earth and there was a timeline split something like that it was at the time when well when when the alien men uh, arrived there was a there was a split of the timeline and we were sort of following that um and then at some point i think we we got a little tired. Um, of, like, trying to retcon things and trying to, you know, map them to existing events, and instead we, uh, yeah, we just uh, we just yeah, said, like, it's, that's right. it's a different, different planet.
0: Well, it's funny that it starts with Lorelai because um, we haven't really mentioned her up to this point. I don't know how relevant she really is to the story. She was... Um... Sort of the female main character, and yeah, offered an alternative perspective on the story. But um, and I guess she was the sort of she she sort of came from poverty. She was like a nobody, whereas Alexis was the son of this major politician. Yes, so it was that kind of rags and riches juxtaposition that we were going for. Yeah, or you were going for, I should say.
1: Well, I I, I mean the thing I always thought about Laura, uh, I always found uh, Lorelei like uh, an interesting character. Like initially, just because like like she was she was an idea that you like offered quite early on um and down to the point of like suggesting the the name as well and i remember it sort of being a a bit of a light bulb moment where i was like well yeah actually like all these these books were always about like boys in trouble like it would be interesting to have like a girl in trouble and thinking that that was very (laughs) that was that was very modern
0: (laughs) well it would have made more sense if alexis was the uh damsel in distress yeah. or the guy in distress. And then Lorelai would would have been, she could have been the
1: uh, heroic savior who broke him out of there. I believe that that was, uh, that was possibly where that's going to do. Possibly uh, Lorelai was going mm. to learn to become uh, an all-American elite sniper.
0: <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I probably suggested it just because even that early on, I realized that it was more fun to draw girls It's
1: just more interesting, you know. So many more, so many more things to think about.
0: Which leads me to my quiz questions. I told you I was going to come up with some quiz questions for you. Here we go. So, are you ready for a pop quiz? I am. Let's go. I think I might come up with a jingle. I suppose. I was going to say. I've got like a pop, 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 pop quiz. I was gonna go with Juvenalia pop quiz. Oh, that's good. That's got that's got legs. All right, I'll work on that. Okay, I got three questions. And that's it. They're all about Lorelei. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Even though she was, uh, yeah, it, we haven't mentioned her really in the podcast so far. Clearly, I uh, like this character.
1: Clearly. Where did I get Lorelei's name from? Um, where did you get Lorelei's name from? Well, it's a good question to ask me. <laughs> you're the one that came up from it. Uh, oh, you're, no, you're, you're, you're not asking me uh, questions in the sense of like, uh, oh, how do you feel about this? But you're asking me. Um, I feel like you took a name that existed and you added something to it. But I can't remember where that would come from. the only, The only modern Lorelei that I can think of is from um, the 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 Gilmore Girls. And I, oh. I don't think that you were watching that, um,
0: Sam. I don't even know what it is.
1: You don't have an answer.
0: No, I don't know what the Gilmore Girls is. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have an answer. I'm not. I'm. I'm not a barbarian.
1: <laughs> Pop quiz. All answers incorrect. <laughs> um, no, I, I I can't think. Um, please uh, please hit me with those facts.
0: Well, then it's it's from Pokemon. It's she was the first <laughs> member of the Elite Four in Pokemon Red and Blue That's and Yellow, right? Which so naturally she an ice type, you know? Yeah, ice type yeah. trainer. Damn. So, you know, in classic 13-year-olds who grew up in the 90s fashion, I was stealing from manga. I was stealing from Pokemon. I was stealing from Sonic the Hedgehog and the Power Rangers. Yeah.
1: I mean, all the elements <laughs> are in there. The hallmarks <laughs> of greatness. I had a broad range of influences. <laughs> it's true. It's a real uh, cultural sampler. Um, I got a follow-up question to that question. Right,
0: H- hit me with it. Question two I hope this isn't in the text because then it would be easy for you
1: to know this. But what was Lorelai's surname? It's uh, so Alexis's surname was Cray. Uh, no, yeah. no relation to the Cray brothers. No relation. <laughs> I'd not heard of them at that point. Um, I want to say that Lorelai's surname was something like Lorel. Ooh, Lorelai Lorel or Lorelai Lorello. <laughs>
0: It's not far off. It was Le Lay. L E L A Y. What's funny about that? <laughs> That's French for the lay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the what they call Walker's crisps in every country outside of the UK. They're lays. Yes. She was one of those crisps. She was
1: just a single crisp and also with a typo. <laughs> no, rely, no, with
0: the the, the
1: crisp. You said L A L A Y, right? L-E-L-A-Y. Oh, I apologize profusely. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's good. That's good. That's. Uh, I mean, you're really you're really getting through that um, stock of excess L's that you have. You're really finding good use for that at the the print setting office.
0: All right, I'm going to hit you up with the third and final question. Yeah, so far, you've got zero out of two. Oh
1: no, I have. I've got half. I've got half a point. Come on. Thematic half.
0: Just because you came up, just because you remembered that it started with L, that's not an answer.
1: It's a brutal taskmaster.
0: Third question (laughs) Where did I steal Lorelei's outfit from? Um, River Island. Damn it, Sam. If you didn't get the first two, you're never going to get this one. I didn't even know she had an outfit.
1: steal it from um let's see think about it think about it think about it think about it uh was it from the maligned uh, manga series chobits
0: no but it's a good guess it was actually yuna from final fantasy 10 oh, there we go yeah so your final score out of three is nothing
1: well that's um that's that's i mean that's pretty good isn't it it's not bad. I've seen worse results. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, there's always a, a U for unmarkable.
0: Well then I guess the only thing that remains is to uh put the the pawn onto our cringe league table.
1: Cringe league league table, yes, exactly. So we will we will start with a nostalgia score out of one hundred and then the cringe sets in and sort of corrodes that uh, that score. Uh, that's my that's my understanding of how we're doing this. Correct?
0: Yeah, we had a whole long discussion about this. Don't don't act like you don't know how this works.
1: <laughs> There's a certain theatre to these podcasts,
0: Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, did I just pull back
0: the curtain? Yes,
1: you parted the kimono. <laughs> um. <gasps> Okay, so uh right. I, I <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Um I would like to I'd like to hear your your um nostalgia score first. What are you what are you, what are you <clears throat> okay. giving this uh so um to to clarify this is I'm I'm going to include version 1 and 2 together purely because I think that even though they are two versions, I think that they they they're all paths to the same the same initial um the same initial sort of starting point and they all happened in the same sort of period of time i would say 2003 to 2005 even though a lot happened at that time i think that that's still the same creative window um sure and i think like us not us not having much or anything to sort of show fr- from from uh, uh from the initial the initial attempts means that they were just uh, drafts for what we refer to as version two. Um, so with that in mind, that's uh, that's that's what I'll be looking for a rating on.
0: So I am giving this a nostalgia score out of 100. And in a way, it's very nostalgic. But um, in another way, because we'd spent so much time dwelling upon this book and it kind of lingered for so many years, the nostalgia was really... Um, uh, tainted. Not tainted, but it's not as nostalgic as it could be. Really nostalgic things come when you are reminded of something you'd forgotten even existed. Yes. And this is definitely not that. This this has kind of loomed over a lot of stuff that I've done since. And, you know, because we kept coming back to it for a number of years. I can't give it that high a nostalgia rating, to be honest. Ah. Uh-huh. I don't really know, obviously this is going to be the first first project on the Nostalgia or the Cringe League table, or whatever we're calling it. So I don't really have a benchmark for where to set it, because I can't compare it to anything else. So considering that it's both the earliest thing we worked on, but also hung around for a long time, lingering like a bad smell, I'm going to just give it a straight 50 out of 100.
1: Damn, he's a diplomat. Right, uh, good benchmark to start on, you know. Good benchmark to start on. Well, that's uh, I, I, I. I'm interested to see what happens when you apply your cringe score to it. Oh crap! <laughs> yeah, but hey, you've uh, you've thrown the gauntlet down now. I can't take it back. Yeah, um, for me, I I'm I minus. i just go for this. It's pretty high, even even with the revis- revisits. This uh, the stuff still lives in my head, even though I've um even though i've like come back to it a number of times as you say and you make a good point there but for me i'm i'm giving this uh i'm giving this an 83 nostalgia. nostalgia I'm, go- I'm going it's very specific i'm going high with it but that's just the number that came into my head as soon as i thought of it so and i'm uh yeah even with revisits i'm not i think that's about right a lot of nostalgia for this because this is this is the the, the infancy this is the is the birth of me actively being a creative person, and that's that's a, a big thing for me. I'm sure it is feet too. I'm not trying to under, undermine you, but that's uh, that's where I'm coming from. Well,
0: it, I just feel <coughs> bad now about not giving it more than 50. <laughs> no, remember, these scores can go into minus numbers. Like, well, surely. Um, this is going to be above zero, so it's it's doing well already. I can sense it, yeah, for sure. So what what do we do now? Do we average these two scores? This is a complicated system. I and mean, I know I just had a go at you for not knowing how it worked. <laughs> but tell me
1: how it works. <laughs> so I, I I think that we each because we're each coming up with our, our own individual like cringe numbers as well. I think we need to finish our own numbers before we do any averaging of them. Okay. Do you think that's or do you think would it?
0: That's fine. Mathematically, Let's do that. it's
1: not because there's only two points of data. So it's mathematically it's not going to make a difference when we when we do the the averaging, is it?
0: You, that sounds true, yes. You're better at maths than me. <laughs> Let's go with that. Okay, I'm going to give it a cringe score. Uh, my cringe score for it is not actually that high because this this is so long ago that I kind of do look at it as juvenilia. Mm. I, I can look at it and say, hey, that was just some kid trying his best. What I cringe more about is the fact that I took it so seriously to the point where... I just, I stressed about it. And also the, the incident where we spoke about it in front of the school <laughs> is a little cringy.
1: <laughs> Which uh, did did unfortunately lead to us being uh, somewhat harangued by one member of our year who I believe may have had uh, some, well, he, 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 he definitely had a, an unusual way of interacting with the world. And uh, he would often ask us uh, when he could buy our book. And I still to this day don't know if he was mocking us or supporting us
0: oh i can't believe we haven't mentioned that already yeah
1: yes uh just a a fellow a fellow student who always had a particular way of like uh talking about things and yes um i remember just thinking well are you are you are you ribbing me mercilessly or are you uh i'm gonna i'm gonna say that again um that's a coughing in the background uh a certain student with a certain way of uh, talking about things who, you know, he'd just come up to us and be like, hey, can, can I buy your book? And, it, you know, obviously not being a thing that was available and never knowing if he was, uh, you know, ribbing you mercilessly or if he was uh, sort of being sweetly supportive because he just had no point of reference for what this guy was thinking.
0: Well I'm pretty sure it was mockery but <clears throat> coming from him I didn't really care.
1: <laughs> yeah, he wasn't he wasn't particularly high on the social standing so.
0: No, well I hope that doesn't sound harsh. No, it's, it's fair enough. Yeah. I mean I'm yeah well uh, let's just I'm going to give it a cringe score of um tw- oh. <laughs> or tw- 23.
1: 23. All right, all right. Um I would actually go ahead and give my um I would give mine a cringe score. I mean, the number that I have in mind is seventeen, but is that right? Because the thing is, I, you know, doing that reading there, like there was a couple of uh, things that I wouldn't have come across. Like uh, when I when I when I read Sixth Sense, I had typed the number six, and then I, I made the uh, font small to do a small th. Nice. Yeah. Um, sixth sense. Instead of just writing the words. Hey, sixth, I thought
0: the writing was pretty good. To be honest. Did you? I d- I don't think I wasn't. I don't. I don't think there was anything to cringe about there. It was, uh, you know, perfectly workable writing.
1: It uh, it showed a lot of the um, the the early like uh, early instances of uh, things that have always plagued my writing, which is that sometimes I end up writing. Um, words that are phonetically uh, fitting for the sound that I'm looking to get without them necessarily matching the meaning. Um, I also oh. don't know that the word impelled is a real word, and it's made funnier by the fact that later in the same document I write the word compelled. Um, okay. but uh, It's
0: always the fine details that people sweat over in their own work, though, isn't it? Oh, it is. But It's those little things that you get fixated on and make you
1: cringe. It's true, uh, but... No, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bump it up to a nineteen. I think nineteen cringe is about right. I do I do have a little bit of cringe for it, but it's nothing it's nothing world chattering. Um
0: Okay, so what's your final score when you take away cringe from nostalgia? Well it's
1: uh, eighteen minus nineteen, which is uh, sixty four. That's uh, sorry, eighty three minus nineteen, which is sixty four. Um
0: Wow. So you've given it an overall score of 64. I've given it an overall score of 27. Now I feel like I'm really down on this now. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a harsh scorer. Maybe you are. Someone's got to be. I'm,
1: I, I'll be honest, when when I brought up the concept of uh, a score, sorry, kimono peaking again, um, yeah, I, uh, I I sort of knew that you were going to uh, torpedo a lot of the scores, but that's okay because I've, I over-inflate mine. That's just that. That's the nature of our of our of our two personalities. Well, so I think that, okay. I think that we end up with, I'm, and that's not me saying that I'm I'm not giving it higher scores because I know you're going to give it lower scores. I think that you know how I feel about it is how I feel about it. But I, listen,
0: if I have to be the bad guy, so be it.
1: <laughs> someone's got to bring these things down.
0: So when we uh, when we average our two final scores, so we get an ultimate score of forty five point five. I was going to
1: say yeah, forty five point five. It's
0: going. Sh- straight in to the league table at number one
1: (laughs) that's the pawn both the bottom and the top of the charts
0: yeah that's incredible what an achievement
1: honestly i doubt anyone (laughs) will ever do that again
0: no probably not (laughs) (laughs) so that only leaves us i think to decide
1: what are we going to be discussing next time what are we going to be discussing next time wait no hang on hang on you're not. <laughs> no, I've... Hang on. Just... Let me just rustle my notes what? here. What the? Oh, hang on. Oh, I do have a question for you first, Wilcon. A-,
0: a question? I hope it's not a personal question.
1: If you were to make this again now, what would you do differently?
0: Oh, uh, uh... slam dunk. Oh blimey. Okay. Um, what would I do differently? <clears throat> I mean the thing is I think like we spoke about it's it's so outside of the range of the things I'm interested in doing now that it's hard to imagine it's uh it's hard to imagine doing it in any form where it retains any resemblance to how it originally was if that's not too much of a mouthful <laughs> I would probably end up taking out most of the kind of fantasy elements and honing in on the central drama of, for example, two people being held as hostages. I wouldn't want to focus too much on the world building <laughs> uh, or focusing too much on the uh, the, the alien species, the Serakai. Yes. It would have to be focusing in on, on the characters and their interactions. Like, I can imagine now if for some reason I had to go back to this story and create it in some form, I can imagine writing a story entirely set within the prison cell or the prison the prison cells yes. that Lorelei and Alexis are being held in and maybe a third character, like a Serakai, who they have to kind of... Um, who they gradually win over or something. I don't know. Some kind of small interpersonal drama because that's kind of all I know how to deal with anymore. I just... I can't seem to deal with anything epic anymore.
1: See, uh that, that's interesting because I've even when I've like thought about uh you know revisiting this like like if I were to do this again differently when I think about it um I always think I don't I don't have the chops to make a whole book out of uh out of out of just that little I think I would need more um, more events or at least uh I don't know i mean maybe i could do it maybe i'm not giving myself credit but i think if i were to redo it the focus would very much be um i know i think if i was to redo it i would really lean into the fact that i was making like a young adult novel and i would make it like relatively similarly to how i was trying to make it then because i think that's that's what it's uh built as but I,
0: but just embracing it more. Yeah,
1: exactly. Leaning into it, like yeah. trying to really structure the story. Like, I mean, I've got plot outlines for this thing, um, but they're mostly just a list of sentences that pretty much just serve as like chapter titles with little to no elaboration.
0: So you didn't have a lot to go on?
1: Correct. I just, To I, write a whole book? I didn't know how to structure a book, but I knew that I needed a structure because I couldn't just sk- a stream of consciousness, like write it from from you know A to B. Um, so I thought, well, if I if I come up with chapter headings, maybe I'll sort of work it out from that. And uh, yeah, obviously that that ended up being a struggle. But um, yeah, in the, if I was to do it again, I'd, I'd do it again with uh, the the greater breadth of talent that I that I now have. Not to blow my own horn, but I I, could, I think I could probably write write this book now if I wanted to, and it would be. Uh, I mean, I hope it would be better. My God. <laughs>
0: Well, I still don't know how to structure a book, but um, that's why I would want to focus in on a very small area Mm. because then you don't have to worry so much about multiple viewpoints and sort of big events, which I I just don't know how to to deal with that stuff. But I guess since I was the illustrator for this, it would be more uh, how would I illustrate it now if I were going to illustrate it now. And the only thing I can say about that is, well, I guess I would just illustrate it more in the way that I draw now, which is quite different yeah. and um a lot better i would hope than the stuff i was drawing then
1: <laughs> you've definitely come uh come along leaps and bounds you're doing very well hey working. thanks <laughs> well it has been 20 years it's been 20 years you're right um okay uh nice let's that's uh i mean yeah you 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 asked me before uh what to talk about next that's a good question yeah um I if we're if we're going chronologically, then I don't want to immediately jump onto the, like one of mine at the expense of one of yours. But I didn't know if you wanted to go first or if you wanted me to go first.
0: Well, I don't mind either way, but I feel like in terms of uh, the development of these projects over time, it kind of has to be you next, doesn't it?
1: I think it probably does.
0: But I could talk about because. You know, the chronology of uh, what we were doing at that time was all a bit mixed up. So I would very happily talk about one of the stories that I was working on at the time, where I basically took the kind of working method that we developed for the pawn and tried to write and draw something all on my own. Yes. I would be very happy to talk about that as a follow-on from this. Or we could talk about a certain comic that you created
1: it's difficult isn't it um I feel like thematically it might be nice to go like story not story story not story if there's any wiggle room to do that um but I also I I, I'm kind of curious I I would love to hear more because the 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 projects that you have next are, are pretty interesting so you know what Let's well, let
0: they're, they're, we'll get to them eventually. We'll get to them, them all eventually. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm
1: gonna go ahead. I'm gonna um say let's do you next. And then let's okay. let circle ever so slightly back um to me, and then we can go to you with a comic of yours afterwards.
0: Right, yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. We- In that case, the next time next time I guess we're gonna be talking about my very own private attempt at an illustrated novel that i did when i was 13 or 14 which was called the lith
1: siblings damn that's i mean that's an enticing, enticing title right there you can imagine all sorts of things going on you remember this don't you i remember i remember it as a concept but uh i i'll, I'll be i'll be honest i don't know that i was ever given a purview to read much of the lith lith siblings I remember there being uh, an element of uh, raised shoulders and clenched arms around this particular project, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Don't every project it. that I've worked on since. Yeah, that's <clears throat> we'll get to that, but that's something that I've uh, I still struggle with to this day. With this project, though, it's it's for good reason. Wow. But we'll get to that next time. Indeed. This. Okay. Well. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. All good.
0: What? What? What, were you, hey. what were you gonna say?
1: <laughs> I was gonna do a sign off.
0: Oh, okay. I thought I was gonna do a sign off.
1: Okay, you do it you you did the opening, you do the sign off, and then next next week I'll do I'll <laughs> do both.
0: Okay, we're so good at this. Honestly. Well, goodbye. <laughs> 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 No, that's Juvenilia, and uh, if anyone ever listens to this and for some reason wants to contact us with complaints or questions, uh, you can contact us at juveniliapodcast at gmail.com, and we'll read all of your emails unless they're not nice, so only send us nice emails.
1: It's true. If we, if we read one that's not nice, I, I personally will crumble into the sea, like uh, like the coastline.
0: Well, we don't want that, do we? No, ideally not. Well, thanks, Sam. Thanks, Wilkins. See team.
1: you soon. You yeah, have a good one. Bye. Bye.